Okay, I will finally start. Okay. <clears throat> God damn it. <laughs> Friday night. Friday night. It's... Welcome everyone to another great episode of the Do Better Dev Show. Uh, I am here with your second favorite co-host, Nathan Calvin. Wow. It really came down from last week. How's it going, Gian? It's going great. I just figured since the new year has been so great, new year is really our first best podcast host. The new year itself. So it's new year. It's the year itself. Uh, and then it's you. So and then this is you. sort of like the, real, the winger is you guys, the audience. It's like exactly. the person that's not there and you just give them credit. Yeah, that's how you stay humble, man. Oh, okay. That's what monks teach us. Oh. You're going to have to be yeah. my connection to that world. I'm not really in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, now I listen to a lot of weird spiritual podcasts, and that's what they should tell you. They tell you to wake up in the morning and thank the land and earth and nature to stay humble because then you're associating everything that's good in your life with something else that's on you. I see. See, I was worried that you were giving me updates on feedback you'd received because the first episode went out. You're like, well, you were going to be the best podcast host. And then we found out the people didn't really agree. I, I mean, I'm sure people do. Uh, but I just, you know, I, I cannot let that fame and ego get to you. I care about you too much. Okay, good. Yeah. I can't lose my humility. That is the important part. It's one of your core values from what I know. <laughs> well. <laughs> Every place you work for, you look for it. Correct. Yes. It's, yeah. it's real important. Anyways, what are we talking about today? Uh, you wanted to talk about reporting. And we're trying to figure out what that's going to be specifically. I've heard rumor that you have some notes that you wrote that you don't fully understand anymore. And... That's true. What we're going to try to do is navigate through the very broad roads that are different types of reporting and hopefully not stray too far from the path, but based on that intro, we might. So we're going to see how this goes and uh, explore different kinds of reporting, how they can be used and how we use them day to day. Yeah, yeah. Like when I had a work in progress uh theme for this in my head it was data analytics and reporting and if you know me you know i love data right data is my every every decision everything i ever do i need all the data there ever is yeah this is really an episode for all the single ladies out there the way to gian's heart is through data through data that is very true the more i know about you the more i'll be like i know about that and that gives me confidence and happiness Knowledge is power and other quotes that I can insert here. But the more important part is data is awesome. It's everywhere. You have to collect it. And then once you do, you can make informed and better decisions about life. And in this case, technology and your infrastructure. Which is really the part that I care about. That's true. Which is, I'm sure, also the part most, if not all, of our listeners care about. <laughs> so we'll move on to the first segment before we actually dive into it. Yeah. That. So... It's been about a week since we last recorded. Our schedule's all over the place right now, but we're doing our best. Uh, did anything interesting, anything good, anything rad happen to you that you wanted to share with the listeners? Um, I guess the only rad, cool thing that happened was I, since that was the last week, or this is the first week of the new mm -hmm. year that's about to end, um, I took this whole week out to do some reflection and resolution. Right. And it has been a huge success. I thought about a lot of things. And generally, when I do reflection in the previous years, it either makes me sad or makes me a little anxious with a little bit of happiness. But this time, it was just all happiness. Wow. It was just like, cool. I survived 2020. <laughs> and I learned a lot of lessons out of it. So it was just all over a blast. And then resolutions were easier because I have a certain clear picture 
of things I want to do, but I'm not going to like set them as number goals or something to like stress myself out. So they're pretty much just guidelines with certain numbers attached to them, which I'm pretty sure what goals are, but I'm going to make it more vague and weird so that I myself feel more zen about it. Hmm. That's funny because we went opposite directions. Last year, my goals were fairly vague, but I knew the general direction I wanted them to go in. And 2020 happened, so not a lot of things got done. And then this year, all of my goals are highly number-based and highly specific, and I feel really good about them. So, uh, you know, if I had to guess how you and I would have planned goals, it would have been inverted, in inverse of what we just described. So I'm curious to see how this works out. I, I am too. Uh, this is something new. And yeah, and for, for those of you, by the time this releases, I probably have done a write-up of my goal reflection resolution on the blog. So go look at it and then hit me up on social media to make sure I'm actually doing them. <laughs> uh, because if I don't stress myself out, somebody has to or things don't get done. Yeah, it can't just be Zen all day. No. Uh, so the thing I wanted to bring up was it stopped raining for long enough today for me to go out in the sun and ride my longboard for the first time in three weeks. And I realized how much I missed it because it's been a while and I was doing that every day for like hours at a time, uh, especially when I was having time off, essentially just spend most of the day, you know, skating around. So I unfortunately checked the, the weather and it's supposed to rain again for the next 10 days or so uh, but i managed to get out there for a little bit while it was sunny so i got to enjoy that and real happy about having done that wow that is pretty cool actually at least you got a little break longboarding seems to provide you sparks sparks joy in your that's life. right yeah longboarding does spark joy so i will keep it yeah for the next 10 days you just keep meditating back on this moment of today so this crazy thing happened. Live your life and past. I was, I don't remember where I was walking, but I was walking down some stairs somewhere and I got a whiff of like subway and it took me back to being in the atrium at uh, university. And like, I felt like I was, this smells do this to me a lot, but this one was the strongest thing happened in a while. I felt like I was fully transported back to being a student and just all of this like, I felt like I was there again. It was crazy. So I've been enjoying that moment since it happened the last uh, few hours and just being like, that was crazy. I got to basically jump back five years. And so I might do that same sort of re-experiencing things uh, through this nice sunny day as it rains. But um, as far as revisiting moments, that was the strongest one I've had recently. Mm -hmm. Blew my mind. Eat fresh. I'm not going to. That's not going to uh, condone that behavior. Mm, yeah, we're not being sponsored by Correct. them, so why do the sellout game? That's right, yeah. yeah. We don't need to sell out yet. We don't need to sell out yet because nobody wants to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, One, <laughs> but it's yeah. good. One day. When they hear about all the growth we're having, those stonks are going That's way true. up. That's true. Stonks are going way up and then going to come after us. We're going to be eating a sub while on the podcast. And yeah, I, I look forward to it. I look forward to that experience. Gotta do the, the humble, like, you know, we've, we've actually always been eating Subway. This is a product I've been using for years. I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't believe in it. Yes, I hope, I hope we live to see the day when we are in the sellout section. I'm just checking. I don't have any, oh, I had, well, I had some human interaction this week. Oh, so cool. That was nice. Uh, that's it. Those are my big, my big points of cool things that happened the last week was longboarding again and interacting with another human. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, on that note, I finished Uncharted. So pretty happy about that. Good, good game series wrap up. So you finished all of them? Yes. I, before I finished only the classics before holidays and then now I finished four, which is the final one in the series, not counting the DLC. Mm -hmm. And so the main story is wrapped up and it's done so good. I love it. And that's how you're supposed to end like good franchises. Hint, hint, Assassin's Creed. Uh, 
it's so bad it's so wrong we can have a whole episode of ranting about that on our special section but but yes uncharted great game go play it okay all right i i don't have that top of my list right now currently it's the outer worlds but apparently outer worlds is really short so i probably won't take too long to finish it unless you go for all the uh, yes i'm that seems like you i'm do. concerned about opening up the achievements because i'm like how badly do i want to risk spending hours getting all these uh, the the number of playthroughs it took for me to finally get that last prey achievement uh, uh, uh i was gonna say a lesser man would have quit but i don't know if that's the right way of putting it <laughs> Mm. Well, if any of you are interested in seeing Nathan finish these, hit us up, and then Nathan's going to be a game streamer on YouTube. Right. We'll add a little playlist section in there of Nathan just achieving every single trophy in these games over the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ugh. If I mean, hey, I, I would probably watch that, so I'm sure somebody's into it, uh, <laughs> but I might just be the odd one out. You're not alone. I mean, right now. Yeah, won't. literally, yeah. Well, fine. <laughs> Maybe one day you won't be. <laughs> All right. So later on, we'll come back to these for things we're going to try to do better. But in the meantime, we have to actually talk about some dev stuff. At least that's I heard true. that's why we're here. That, that's the name of the show. It's in the name. So. Unlike Subway, but it's in the name. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> uh, so. Do you have anything to start with, or should I just kick things off? Oh, I, I have lots. Great, good. I was really hoping you weren't going to pass it back to me. Take <laughs> it from here. No, no, Jim. no. My love for data transcends boundaries of love for data. Um, but yeah, so there's too many thoughts. So I'm going to try to keep everything a little high level, and then we can dive into things. Um, and maybe we would need to do some follow-up episodes on certain things. But when I think about at least having data on an application level and using that for either analytics or reporting, there's a little matrix I generally draw on what fits where and how we use it. So as far as data is concerned, I divide into two sections of infrastructure data and application data. Infrastructure data contains everything about your infrastructure, the CPU, memory, load balancing, network requests, how your, how the health of the system is doing. And then we have the application data on how many user signups we're getting, how many things we need to figure out from a business sense, but also application data and infra has this little midline of things like figuring out which SQL queries are taking too long or what elements of the application may be putting too much effort on infrastructure. And there, there's that little section in between them where they transcend each other. But that's how I generally think about that data. And then when you need to consume it after you've collected it, is you either have reports that generally is either looked at by business people or high level people to make sure things are working fine um, you have whatever goals you're hitting or something you can go look at to figure out if you're on track for certain achievements or milestones and how user behavior is happening. Or finally, the other way is alerting and it's just when, oh shit, something went wrong and it's your instance yelling at you that it's at 90% CPU capacity because some kid in Russia decided to DDoS you and you don't you didn't pay for the cloudflare protection which is too bad because you should have <laughs> it's too bad and it's too bad um yeah and so things like those or somehow some equipment you build on bidding on ads is now burning through money overnight <laughs> and you want to make sure you don't run out of cash because that's important to pay your employees you might want to fire for alerts if somebody goes and stops that if that ever happens mm -hmm. So that's generally how I like to put them in their little quadrants in my matrix, where the data comes from, how it should be consumed. All right. Thoughts? Yeah, so I feel very strongly about one of those, which is I really don't like application reporting. Uh, I feel like that's always marketing stuff. And like the marketing team always wants that sort of information. And it's one of those areas that I can't make myself care about. Uh, which normally I don't have a problem with. 
and I can usually get behind something if I know it's important. And that people will keep telling me that, you know, these business level analytics are really important and I, I just can't bring myself to care. Uh, so unless you have a lot to say about that in particular, I'm thinking system level uh, analytics or like performance metrics and alerting are going to be at least the things I'll be naturally drawn to in this conversation. Um, thoughts? Yeah, that makes sense to me. We can stick to that. I am not a business person from any sense so far. So I definitely had more exposure and more love of infrastructure data monitoring and learning. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure business looks at that data and that's why I get my paycheck. But there's other more interested smart people who look at that data. And as long as they can communicate to me that they need that data, we can create links in the application to do mm -hmm. that. So maybe we'll have a guest at some point who can talk about it. But for now, let's just stick to infrastructure, stick to our strengths so that we can provide the most value. That's right, it. yeah, exactly. Uh, so I wanna go back briefly and mention the alerting piece because this was one of the first jobs or first tasks I had at my first job. And it was essentially a bunch of uh, internal automation tasks that I had to write. And so I wrote these little scripts that just did automation for internal stakeholders. And then they needed to know, a lot of it was reporting, and they needed to know if things were out of date. And so if reports had failed, for example, then there needed to be some sort of alert that said, this has failed twice in a row, your data could be up to 30 minutes out of date, something like that. And we had a few different internal tasks that had to be done. And if they'd failed consecutively X number of times, something had to be posted. And because it was all for non-technical people, a lot of it was just communicated out through a Slack channel. And so it was like out through a Slack channel with a link to say, this is the actual error if you need to share it with somebody. If somebody who knows what's doing, what to do is not around. This is a general summary of what it means for you, meaning like, for example, this might be 30 minutes out of date. Uh, and this is the action you can try taking. So in other words, it was a basic step-by-step -step of, you might just need to go here, click this button to restart this task. Or we suspect it probably was caused by this. You can take this action and see if it fixes it. If not, hopefully Nathan's around and he can try to fix it for you. Uh, and it made me appreciate really early on the value of having alerting set up because it meant if there weren't alerts going off, everything was working. And if there were alerts going off, they were helpful. And so having, especially in the first round of trying to set up logging and things, it sometimes became extremely obvious that it was the first round where it's like, you put logs in, in this case me, I put logs in and then I go to look at them and figure out what went wrong. And I don't really know. It just says at 2.13, something went wrong. And so it's that practice of saying, what's the useful information here to actually make this alert actionable and what metrics matter so that you're not getting alerted for things that are recoverable. So for example, one failure didn't matter in this case. Oftentimes this thing could recover quite easily. It was you know, two, three failures when the data being out of date would actually matter. So that was an initial uh, experience that I had very early on. And even though I haven't spent a lot of time since then working with there's a, there's a word for it, for like communicating out to people through like Slack and tools like that. But I haven't done- Oh, chat ops? Yeah. Uh, I haven't done much with chat ops or anything like that since then, but it made me appreciate it very early on. So I have a bit of fondness for it, uh, despite not spending a lot of time in it now. So you've always had the DevOps mindset, is what I'm Maybe, thinking. maybe yeah. I just never knew. It was within you this whole wow. time. Wow. This gives me so much more what confidence tools? for my solutions architect problems. You're going to nail it. Yes. And then you're going to teach our audience the whole course. Right. <laughs> on, on podcast. I'll take it too. And then we can talk about it. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to take um, it in February. So we'll find uh, out. I'll just copy your notes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what tools were you using besides Slack to create this awesome alerting system? AAS. 
I'm trying to remember now. I know that most of the scripts were just being run via cron jobs that were kicking off node scripts. Um, so it was like a node server just running basic JavaScript uh, API interactions, essentially just like trigger this, use node to run this file that just communicates with an API, summarizes some data and sends it off somewhere else. And so I'm sure at that point, the ops team had done most of whatever integration I needed. Um, but I think it was just Slack for the most part. Uh, it's okay. been now a few years. Nothing in so the actual technology? Like how were these webhooks were you just directly integrated with Slack and just sending out these payloads? I think or was so. there some, like what was the, what was this alerting system made of? I'm pretty sure it was just API requests to a okay. Slack integration because everything was pretty cowboy coded at that point in that entire company. And I'm, yeah. and I'm pretty sure there was just like install this app into Slack that exposes an integration or a API endpoint specific to your app, uh, your version of Slack. And then you can choose like the channel that you wanted to send it to. And that's the extent of what I remember about it, but I'm pretty sure okay. if the, maybe they had like an SDK or something, but it was very direct. Okay. There wasn't a lot of intermediary stuff going on. And it would just do some really basic, like a local state in the node server itself, where it just have like probably a JSON file, something like that. And at the end of it, it would just, if it had a failure count, it would just increment it. Like it was pretty, pretty basic. So what I'm hearing is it was a lightning fast application <laughs> with a locally cached database. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Locally cached persistent database. Right. Uh, that had zero latency in communicating with it. Yeah. Yeah. This is useful. I'm going to keep these talking points ready for my next interview. Yeah. I wrote this. DevOps mindset. That's right. Yeah. Right. Make it sound better than it ever needed to be. Yeah. And if, you know, since these little scripts were running on their own, you could even say that these services were micro. <laughs> And people love that. I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're a thing of the past now. Yeah. Monoliths are new again. Yeah, so, yeah, the listeners won't know, but I've started getting emails from a few different places talking about the importance of monorepos and essentially talking about how people have always done microservices. And I was like, did they? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I thought those were still hot and new, but now they're old and, and cold. Yeah. When I, when I, like one of my senior devs uh, early on in my career told me that all of these architecture patterns, exercises, they usually make a comeback. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, technology only moves forwards. <laughs> like stonks only go Correct. up. Yes. And now I've, I've not, I've worked long enough to know monorepos were a thing. Microservices came into the world and now microservices have been used always and monorepos <laughs> are back. So... Oh. Yeah, won't be surprised if before long everybody's hosting their own bare metal servers again and don't trust the cloud providers. Yep. Yeah, it just takes one big failure from AWS that takes out most of the internet. That is true. That is actually very... It, it is a thing I was, as a junior DevOps engineer, was very averred and thought about quite mm -hmm. a bit, about how half the internet can basically disappear if AWS like gets destroyed or something mm -hmm. um, but we will we'll keep that for another episode um, I yeah nobody needs to ponder on my fears of internet going down I'm sure we'll still have lots of cat videos so we'll be fine that's what's most important yeah uh, okay uh, yeah so was there anything else on that application that reminded you of alerting uh, no that was just, okay. I just wanted to raise it because I like to think chronologically. I'm like the first, one of the first things I did was related to this topic. Uh, and so just wanted to bring that up and probably also highlight how you don't have to really know what you're doing or be that good to do something useful. I think that's maybe the takeaway is like, I didn't really know what I was doing, but 
it didn't matter because it was still better than nothing and it improved over time. So just like with most, most things in software development, uh, start somewhere and you can iterate on it, get better. And one day I'll come back to this whole chat ops thing, knowing a whole lot more. Yeah, actually the thing I remember about chat ops from early on and again in my career, in my current job is too many alerts is a good problem to solve. Not having enough alerts will always keep you freaked out. Right. Interesting. If you don't know something's going on with your system, you'll always live in uncertainty. But if you know for certain it fails 20 times a day, but it's not affecting the business intelligence or anything that much, that's still good. Make another channel, move it to a less noisy channel, or put some rules in your alerts, alerting system that says, if it happens more than five times, let me know. If it happens more than 20 times, then alert me. Or if it happens five times, resolves the six times, set the counter back to zero, because then it's back on mm -hmm. up. So things like those are important to see, but, but yeah, every time we didn't have enough alerts, that's when we were worried. Right. But when we had too many, it was like, okay, I know which ones to pay attention to. It is noisy and we can take one of the sprints or some time and either combine them or just get rid of some or realize we don't even use some part of the system because now there's alerts coming and you realize it's redundant and you can just get rid of the whole thing. And that's a very satisfying feeling when you have a GitHub pull request with minus 400 lines of right. code. So good. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'll probably, I probably wouldn't have taken that approach without you having mentioned that, but I can totally see the benefit of saying, let's be a bit overzealous with communication at first and prune back the stuff that we don't find useful. But I feel like I would have gone to, I can predict what's going to be useful and I'm so smart and I'll figure it out the first time. Uh, and then lived in fear of something going wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's my, that's 80% of my job in this podcast, making sure you stay humble. <laughs> so it can get you a little too cocky, can let you get too cocky, right. so, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's been, uh, and generally the tools we've used is, I've actually, I can't, can't remember the last time I did a direct Slack integration. That, that's why I was curious mm -hmm. about asking. Most SaaS tools and everything now has a little integration, which is pretty nice. Um, we used to have one for me, Jenkins and one for Datadog. Datadog, I know they're not sponsoring us. I will still talk great about them. Excellent service. Their support is good. If anybody from Datadog is listening, please send us a free t-shirt because I think they look really cool. <laughs> and I've used it for almost every company I've ever worked for and they're great. It's very simple to use. You can deploy it anywhere and it has direct Slack integrations with templated messaging. So if your CPU or anything is spiking, you can save, and their free plan is pretty decent. So if you're a startup, you can save lots of time on writing these little scripts on state management and such by just reporting all your metrics to Datadog using a nice little GUI to create all of these alerts. And then your Slack channel's happy, you're happy, your developers are happy. And who, would, who doesn't want to be happy? Isn't that the reason why we live? Yeah, 2021, the year of being happy. 2021. So, yeah. yes, uh, to reiterate my original point, it was very much a task for me to be kept busy and make sure that I kind of could figure stuff out before they let me do real stuff. So they weren't going to worry about setting up a proper integration. I was just sending that in. But currently, uh, our Spinnaker pipelines are integrated directly. So it appears at least that Spinnaker has a integration because it with Slack because it posts these nice little messages saying like this services pipeline has started and then if it fails it'll alert it and if it uh, passes it'll say pipelines completed successfully and so it's a nice way of communicating with the rest of the company the actual state of for example a rollout if we're doing it because we still do some uh, or somewhat batch deployments and so if we're going to do a new release Everybody can see somewhat in real time if the services are rolling out successfully, as opposed to, you know, if, and if one fails also Alps then knows, cause usually they're not involved with our releases. So if they can sort of be paying attention to that channel and see, oh, a deployment failed, they can hop on call as opposed to having to sit there and wait for us for 30 minutes while we do our deploy. 
Yeah, no, and, and that's one of the major reasons for reporting, right? It's not just for you. Mm -hmm. It's for every stakeholder that's involved and in what capacity they need to know these things. And yeah, that's definitely one of the big reasons why we, at least uh, currently at EA is also doing, is these a lot of these alerts, either through by email or Slack, go to people who make the pull requests and things that go wrong. Unless it's an infrastructure failure, then our team gets a important message. But if it's not, it goes directly to the developer. We're not bothered, no chat ops is bothered. People who are worried about it get information and then we have some like finals counter of these many jobs failed in the last couple of days or whatever. So we can have some higher level metrics. But just because you can spam yourself doesn't mean you should, but it's because we started off with that model and then we cut down on who are the stakeholders mm -hmm. and who doesn't need to. And it has just saved so much time and developers not knowing if their pipeline has run Nobody wants to sit refreshing a Jenkins page to see if something's finished or not. It's just so much easier when they get a little ping to know that if something worked or failed and with a link to what failed. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Because our current setup, Jenkins finishes the build and then passes it off to Spinnaker and then Spinnaker runs its pipeline. So something can break in Jenkins if like a test fails or something. And I'm sitting there waiting for that, make sure that passed. And then once it passes, it's like, all right, now let's move over to Spinnaker, make sure Spinnaker passes. It would be great uh, if we had that integrated, but it also wouldn't necessarily know just to notify me. And I don't want to be notified every time somebody is merging something into master. Uh, so for like good company culture, then what do you want is a central shaming channel where everybody is there. General channel. It just posts general. in general every time somebody fails. Yeah. With the committer's name. You're like, ha. Well, when I had a team, I, I feel like at least this was a thing. Because when I was on a team of, of like three people, there was a channel, and I don't remember if it was just in developers, but there was a channel that did post every time something failed. And it would say like, you know, uh, I'll use Timmy again. Timmy broke the build. And you would have the commit that broke it, and you would have to go look. So I do have like a vague memory of that, but I feel like it must have been short-lived because I don't have a very detailed memory of it. And if it was there for a year and a half, I would have probably remembered it. Uh, so maybe maybe your idea of how good company culture works isn't quite right. Okay. Well, I've just I just really hated Timmy. So you just wanted everybody to know. Timmy yeah. Dunn did it again. Yeah, Timmy used Light Team. Timmy oh, was just no. attracting bugs yeah, all the Light time. Light Team attracts bugs. <laughs> That's <laughs> the problem. It's true. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, okay, so Datadog is one. I've practically done a free ad for them now. Yeah. Um, what have you seen or used? Any other tools? Uh, hint, hint. Your AWS certification. So we're still talking alerting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're still on. Yeah. It. So. Sure. It'll be interesting if we end up coming back to do this uh, follow-up discussion, you know, in a year or something when I've got more context for it. But I now know, for example, that uh, in CloudWatch, you can have it trigger. You can have CloudWatch alarms that will trigger changes to your auto scaling group. So you could do something like at 80% CPU utilization. I, on average, for my instances, I want to let the auto scaling group know that this alert has happened and the auto scaling group can then say like, all right, I'm going to make two new instances. And that would presumably bring down the average CPU utilization. And so you can then integrate these two pieces so that, for example, you get notified, hey, this thing you don't probably want to happen has happened. And don't worry, in the meantime, the system has taken care of it because you had this action configured so that you don't have to wake up and manually increase your uh, target group size. But at the same time, if that's not something you expected, it's nice to have an alarm on it. So you can be like, all right, the system didn't tip over because we had something set up to handle it, but also we didn't want it to happen. So let's figure out how we can make this not happen again. So it's a cool way of integrating and they have other ways of doing it where you can go directly to like maintain this average but the fact that that integration exists and you can get more creative with uh, the specific type of alert, I think it's kind of cool. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, AWS is like really great in its ecosphere where things can hit other things, machines making and destroying machines. It's spooky and kind of cool <laughs> uh, where you can just assign a, a sitting virtual machine all the privileges as you and it'll go around creating emails, deleting things depending on how you set it up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, like CloudWatch, it can run lambdas. You can create a lambda to... Yeah. I don't know, randomly boot off a developer every time something fails. You know, you could have a Russian roulette of firing employees <laughs> because it's a team responsibility. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't even know why that popped in my head. Uh, I did not do it. All my employees are happy. I'm happy. Uh -huh. uh, not that I run a company or anything, but yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's uh, one of the, definitely one of the better tools to at least monitor AWS infrastructure. Yeah, I've also used Google Cloud Platforms alerts. Uh, so mm -hmm. in that case, I'm just using cloud functions. So essentially lambdas for Google Cloud Platform. And it's really nice because it's very much one of those, I don't worry about it. I have this task that's been running for two years or something now. And maybe once every three or four months, it fails once and lets me know. And I just sort of look at the email and go, well, if I don't get another one, I'm not gonna worry about it. And a few months will go by and I think maybe it's not even running anymore. And then I'll get an email and say, oh, it failed. And it's so infrequent that I sometimes forget about it, but I, because I still get those emails, I know it's occasionally, or it must still be running, otherwise I wouldn't get those emails. So it's that, that perfect balance of, I know it's still running, but it never bothers me. And uh, it, it was very easy to integrate because I barely did anything. It was essentially like uh, if you get, because I think they have info, warn, uh, some other level, and um, error. It's like, just let me know if an error occurs, and here's my email. And that's pretty much all it took, and it sends out the emails. So these things are not difficult to do. I'll reiterate that, but they're so useful. There, there. Yeah. Was it. I, I guess Google Analytics is different than right than whatever that is. I'm not much of a GCP person. Yeah, yeah, they're they're separate. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, another great tool, I guess, Google Analytics, uh, if for your static websites and such. But it, I don't. Do they do alerts? I I know they collect data. They're definitely good for reporting. I've never tried to set up an alert. I'd be kind of surprised if there isn't at least an API or something you could occasionally ping uh, mm. and it's actually established as opposed to a lot of Google stuff that gets recycled. <laughs> uh, yeah. So have you checked out that site like death by Google or something and it shows you every product Google has ever killed. Well, it'd be a long yeah, list. It's pretty good. But I haven't tried so I can't say for sure. I feel like there might be alerts big somewhere in there. You know if I if I were running a website and suddenly I hit some sort of milestone, it might be nice to know as opposed to having to go log in and find out. That's true, yeah. Um, actually, that sort of touches reporting. So we'll, we'll shift over sure. from alerting to reporting on, um, if, I, if I'm getting pinged for everything that's going wrong or right, depending on how I set up alerts, why do I need reporting, Nathan? Well, reporting tells you what has happened and knowing what has happened can often help you get either a sense of why the final state that caused the alert happened or how to act upon that alert in a more meaningful way. So for example, if we're thinking about the same kind of reporting here, if you look at your reports for, I don't know, performance of your database, and you realize that you have this job that runs once every hour, but it takes 59 minutes to complete. And you didn't know that until one time it took 60 minutes to complete and there was two running at once. And because there was a database lock on them, they started piling up and then you just ended up with everything tipping over. You could look at that and say, oh, this problem happened because in this report, I can see that this really long running query and this really, really long running job is running longer than we thought. 
And so you wouldn't know that if you had no information about how your system was behaving. So it's a very specific example to illustrate the larger point of knowing the behavior of your system allows you to take proper action on the things that go wrong or could go wrong. Yeah, now that, that makes sense. I generally, uh, I generally look at them as reporting. Anything I find out through reporting is I need to action on, but not immediately or in the near future necessarily. Unless your query is taking 59 minutes, then you should probably. But if it's, and then alerting is immediately or in the next couple of hours or days, if not of something went wrong, something's higher priority, this is happening, let's figure it out. And then reporting could be, oh, I didn't know my system is lagging so much, or our servers are always at 90% disk usage, mm -hmm. and that's why fetching things are slow. Maybe let's switch to SSD or balance the data more, add more shards or whatever, uh, just so we don't hit physical limitations of the hardware that we're using. Yeah, that's a really good point, is predicting potential failures from reporting. So I, I think every team I've been on at some point has looked at the amount of uh, like resources utilized by their database and gone, uh-oh, uh, this could be a problem if this pace keeps up. Like it was at this percent, it's now at this percent, it hasn't gone down in the last week, it's just gone up. This is gonna be a problem, we need to do something. Uh, and you wouldn't know that because it hasn't triggered any alerts yet, it's just slowly built. And looking at reports over time give you that story that allows you to predict this is going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, and, and a lot of like decent cases to make to the business too, right? Like your costs have consistently been, I don't know, 60 grand or whatever. And then after a year, you realize, very niche example, you realize that your databases are pretty consistent and you don't really switch out the hardware so much. And then you can go to the business and say, hey, what if instead of paying for them as we go, we prepaid for some of this equipment because this barely ever changes, we can save a lot of money. Yeah. And then real real world scenario here is happening here. And then the business is like, cool, you just saved up a bunch of money. Here, go buy yourself something pretty. And, you know, <laughs> you're happy, the business is happy. Yeah, this is the sort of stuff I'm learning about in the course. Talking about mm -hmm. the different pricing options and you know, if you get uh, um, provisioned, uh, instances as opposed to on-demand sorts of things you can save money a lot of money it's insane um, I think certain databases and something I just put on a on prepaid system and that site wasn't expecting any more traffic fluctuations for the next little while and it saved them I don't know about 30 to 40 percent off their monthly bill dude that's that's got to be so much at a large scale too that was, that was crazy. And one of the bigger clients at my previous company, I suggested to them on how much they can save and gave them all the information. And then they switched to a different company to implement that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in the end, good for them, but that was kind of a not cool move. Yeah. So for two weeks, auditing their entire infrastructure uh, on how they can do better. And then they did, which is not with us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think that ties in a lot to just your general obsession with data. It tells you how to do better. It does. It does. Data, yeah, I, I cannot emphasize enough on how liberating it is to have all this information thrown at you so that in a proper time and attention after you give it, you... You just, there's things people overlook because you, or everybody overlooks if you don't have all these things in summary. And once you do, yeah, reports, I love reports. Um, I'm probably sounding like a big nerd, but that's what this podcast is for, so that's cool. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have anything of substance to say right just now. about waxing how much I love poetic. Data. Yeah, so I'm just going to move over to like, I don't know, other tools. Sure, yeah. Uh, that I've used. So I'll talk about my love for some of the tools that I've used to monitor all this data uh, for reporting. Uh, Elasticsearch is huge. Elasticsearch is great. Um, I use it quite a bit and I've deployed, I don't know, 
too many clusters at this point of Elasticsearch just for my love of them and how somehow I end up at some company or some job or some site where they're like, oh, we were thinking of deploying Elasticsearch. We just didn't have that in our team for this while. I was like, cool, here, let me help. And Elasticsearch is great. It's fast. If you're a smaller company or doing certain smaller projects, there is better open source like it, it's open source, but there's also others open source alternatives which are faster if you do a little bit more research. So it's not, but it's the most used. So if you do want to go for something stable for a bigger company, do that. If it's a side project, look for some of the other ones because I don't know, it's nice to know that if you have something that has a little less load balance, you can take a very bare minimum EC2 T3 instance or something and just deploy all your services on one machine. And it works. And because they none of them take any CPU or RAM uh, compared to some of the other big players. Um, but speaking of data, uh, Elasticsearch can hold quite a bit. And then you can have Kibana or whatever to search through it, create nice little visualizations and things are pretty and then you are happy. And that just seems to be the general consensus of me talking about data is you'll be happy. Um, Metabase, I uh, wanted to sort of highlight that. If your databases are SQL and they need some sort of a nice GUI to create all these reports, there's lots of things out there. There's Mode, there's, I don't know, there's, there's almost too many SaaS services at this point that can query your SQL database like Power BI or something and display something nice on a dashboard. Metabase I mentioned because again, it's open source. You can just run a Java jar on your local computer, connect to a database and start creating reports. It's very simple, very nice. And yeah, that's mostly what I have for at least reporting and creating reports. If there's tools any of you know that have really helped you with your life, please hit me up because if you can't tell by now, I really love these applications <laughs> and enjoy using them. Yeah, your inf uh, enthusiasm shows through very clearly. Also, it was very exciting for me to hear T T3 micro uh, EC2 instance and be like, oh, I know, I know what that is. So making progress. For this test, do you have to like memorize how much CPU and RAM these things have? I don't think you have to know the specifics, but you need to know like the different kinds of instances. So like. Oh, okay. Like R for one ticker or more for RAM and C for CPU, these sorts of things. And you probably need to know, uh, it hasn't been super specific because I haven't done any of the test, uh, or sorry, the practice test yet. I've only done the test in this course. Uh, and they've been somewhat specific, but they're more like, did you pay attention <laughs> during this section of the course? So once I, I start doing practice tests, I'll know a bit more about the how specific I need to be. But some things are really important, like you know, this max size of um, EBS volumes and these sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. And once you do, I'm just so excited and nerd about it with you. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I'm invading on your turf a little bit here, and it's going to be exciting. Good. Well, before you know it, I'll be hitting up React hooks complain with you about how good they are or how everything else is terrible. Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, but yeah, this whole area of, you know, reporting, metrics, analytics, it all, at least for me, falls under the that really popular glorified name of site reliability engineer. And in my head, it's sort of like how I thought of server-side development my first like six months of only having done front end professionally where i was like i get it but i don't get it and <laughs> if i opened up the code base i would look at especially at that job it was ruby so there's tons of ruby on rails so tons of magic and i'd be like so the request comes in and then it it, it just gives you back the right data i this doesn't make any sense and so to me, at this point, a lot of the tooling that goes into uh, metrics and reporting and performance, it's a lot of that, like, I get it. Like, it connects to these different resources that you're using and gives you information about them. But, like, 
what do with information. Uh, so I'm hoping that over the course of 2021, I can move myself closer and closer to having a more practical understanding of what those things do, because it's not an area that I've actioned on in any real way. And I think it's going to be real beneficial to me over the next few years in my uh, venture to be good at my job. Yeah, I, I can't wait for you to like get nerdy about it enough that you like one day just complain and be like, I was analyzing this request. It was taking 600 milliseconds. Then I realized there was a SQL query that was taking too long because of a mismatched index. And then I fixed it by implementing proper indexing and like made the right columns and everything. And now everything's much faster because I looked through this entire pipeline. I'm just, I'll just be like staring at you because that'd be so cool. <laughs> the, the React guy is talking about SQL. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. And then I'd be very happy because I would have somebody to nerd about these things about because I, I have often found myself over obsessing about performance mm -hmm. and just it's hard to find people who, who you know, relate with that because they'll just be like, who cares if it's 600 milliseconds versus 800 milliseconds? I'm like, I do. <laughs> if tomorrow you have the hockey stick growth, your server is going to crash. Right. And how do you sleep at night knowing your server isn't doing the very best it can <laughs> when it's your responsibility? I, I don't know. Uh, I love it. So as with most things in software development, there's always a, but if you take it too far or this is the thing to look mm -hmm. out for, what are the things to look out for in reporting and analytics um, in your mind? That's a great question. Uh, I, at least for alerting, I'll, I'll reiterate the fact that if you are, there is a point of too many alerts. For example, if you have an alert for somebody opened a pull request, somebody reviewed the pull request, somebody, Jenkins, every time it tells you if the pull request passed around, you have another alert. And then at the end, when they close or merge it, there's another alert. Maybe you don't need all of them, you know? Figure out your priorities. Just because you can alert doesn't mean you should alert. <laughs> Those are the kind of things. Because then it's spam. And chat ops becoming spam is one of the most common problems in chat ops. And all DevOps people hate it. And because then it, it can really hide some actual error that happened. Because it might get just sandwiched between some dumb pull request open close problems and yeah so that's one of the big ones i've seen um over obsessing about things that are not easily fixable for example if i sql queries indexing and making it better is an easier example than okay my database is fine it's just taking too long to process through this data Maybe now you need to figure out your data structures need to change or some business value needs to change and such. And if you obsess about that too much, then you may be overlooking from other better priorities in your business. It's good to be aware of them. Maybe bring it up with your team, see if there's something happening. Maybe you update this whole system by taking all your weekends. And then you find out the business was like killing that system in like two weeks anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're sad and it's kind of also partially a real story. So maybe don't get too attached to things like that. Um, but yeah, the, at least as for alerting, that's what I've seen and similar for reports. If you create too many reports um, for things that are slightly different, um, don't really do it. Every time you create a report, ask the big question of, is it just giving me information or am I doing something with this information or not? Because having data is great but if it's not actionable data, it's just sitting there taking up storage and you should really just run a garbage cleaner on that. Right. So that's generally the things I see. So maybe this is sort of like a question that I would look at and think that's not a great question. Like what's the best exercise? But what is, if you're making a dashboard, a reporting dashboard, are there any particular metrics that you tend to reach for and think these are generalizable useful things to know about how my system's operating oh yeah i mean the biggest one i generally look at is cpu and ram uh such good indicators every time you do deploys 
the one of the things I see uh, if you're running your own or if there's storage issues, people generally keep that data around for like three months, six months, a year. And I really don't think that's necessary at all. These are generally good for, oh my God, a spike happened because of our system usage or something's not working right. So at most you want to keep like two weeks around depending on your business model. At least that's my personal opinion on, okay, we did a deploy a couple of days ago. We've shown a gradual increase in the memory every day increases by two megabytes. That's bad. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out what's causing it. Uh, so CPU RAM, the biggest, biggest, best things. Uh, if your site has an API hosted somewhere, network requests. Please observe your network requests because Nginx might be excellent at kicking off most unusable requests and it's really fast. And a 10% CPU difference might not matter to you much, but it might open up some vulnerability of telling you that somebody just tried to take down your entire server just because Nginx was good at doing its job you should also keep an eye out on the fact that your network request just went from 10,000 to 100,000 within like a day because somebody was being mean. And if that happens, maybe check with your cache provider and you know just figure out the cycle. But network request, if it's API, CPU and RAM is just the de facto standard, always look at it. And if it's something that deals with storage, if it's not a stateless app, obviously the disk space. Always keep an eye, see how it's gradually growing, Make sure your cleanup tasks are doing what they're doing or what they should be doing, and hopefully plan in advance on increasing things. Don't wait till it's at ninety percent capacity and then have your oh crap moment, because that has happened to me in the past, and it's not very good when you tell your senior developer that oh crap, we need to do this or the client loses money, and then they're just not happy. They're like, you should have known, uh -huh. do better. So yeah. Cool. That makes sense to me in that whole, like, it makes sense, but eh, kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> well, if any of you are feeling that way as well, uh, please hit me up on social media. I, I really love talking about this stuff. So even if you're facing some of these problems, hit, let me know. Maybe we'd be able to help. And if not, we'll just send you a cute gif of empathizing because you're in some work problem. Um, but yeah, that's all for data analytics reporting at this point. Um, the last segment, what are, what are you going to do better, Nathan? What are you planning? Well, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're recording this on Friday because we've had some weird scheduling. And so I basically like didn't really sleep for a couple days this week, having problems with that. Uh, I've slept better the last couple days, but Something that I do normally every few months because of traveling, I would, when I got back from traveling, I would just do like a week of focusing really hard on eating as well as I possibly can and spending as much possible time outside as I can. And it's, the reason I don't do it longer is it's almost uh, an unsustainable way of eating because it's just like so many vegetables, so many fruits. I'll tr make sure that I'm eating things that I know my body digests well and it really limits a lot of my food options. But I'm thinking of doing that, just to sort of take that out of the picture for a week. Be like, is this what's bugging me right now? Uh, try to spend some time outside more than I have been, because as I mentioned, it's been essentially raining for three weeks straight. So even if I have to be in the rain, throw on a coat and just go outside, because I'm sure being inside all day is not helping. But essentially just put my best effort into uh, trying to make my body happier so I can actually sleep and feel uh, refreshed each day. Because normally it's not a problem, but well, I don't know if it's seasonal affective disorder or something's not, not working out quite right. So uh, that'll be my big goal for the week. And if I can make that happen, I will be a happy boy. Well, if you need any bedtime stories, text it, let me know. <laughs> There once was a cabana that sat on a wall. Pretty much. Or there once was a boy who went to bed. You know, just like good stories. Right, like that. yeah. Really engaging, relatable. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, any, anything I can do to help. <laughs> if you need a conundrum to sleep over at night, like if you should eat your cereal with hot milk or not, 
You know? No, that's a no. Do you also need me to explain why you don't put milk in the bowl before the cereal? These are questions no, that no, are that, answered. That one I already agree okay. with. That, that's just an abomination. That's, yeah. that's you disrespecting the laws of how fluid mechanics work with solids. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of, lot of publicity about okay. this of people just hating on us. Well, people who like to put milk first before the cereal. Well, there can't be uh, that please many. Please don't unsub us. We accept you. We just don't live that lifestyle. We just don't enjoy it. Yeah, that was a very well phrased way of putting that again. You'll Thank have you. to be our yeah. PR guy. <laughs> I try. I try. Um, cool. So yes, I hope you sleep better. Is that your focused goal this week? No green oatmeal, just green vegetables. <laughs> yeah, usually I do cut out oats, which that's part of partly. Actually, that's a hundred percent of why it's not sustainable for me because I really love my oatmeal. Uh, but I usually cut that out. I essentially just replace my whole diet and just like whatever is in there, get it out, see if it makes me feel better. Um, but there's that and then just continuing on with my course. So I've finished section five, which means nothing to anybody else uh, in the world, but try to get to section six or seven, the end of that. Um, if I can do that, I will be probably 30 plus percent of the way through, which isn't bad for the first week of the year. So I think I'm on track to do my planned February test. We'll see how it goes once I start writing practice tests. Um, but those are my two things. And besides that, this one's just fun, but practicing a bunch of Rocket League because I've only been playing for a week or so. And because of that, I'm terrible, but I want to be uh, much better so that I can stop playing with other people who are terrible because they're really hard to play with because uh, they're, they're as bad at, as me at everything. So you can't count on them. So if the ball goes to them, you're like, oh, they're going to pa- No, they missed it. Uh, and it, yeah, it makes it hard to predict what's going to happen. So try to get good so I can get away from them. What do we- you want some predictable chaos, not just chaos. Correct. Chaos. Intentional. I want something to be intentional, intentional as opposed chaos. to complete accident, mm-hmm. uh, accidental gameplay. That's true. And then you can show up all those 12-year-olds who think they're so good at rocket. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Grandpa Nathan coming in. <laughs> come come play some soccer what about you um great question so <laughs> I, I, before this call i was talking to you about how i i'm still in sort of vacation mindset on i need to be more actionable instead of just it's not even that i'm thinking about oh my god uh i i must do and just use the power of manifestation of having things come to me I'm just like, I'm exactly happy where I am. Nothing has to come to me. I don't have to go to anything. Hmm. And that's not sustainable. And that's not even good. I know I'll get bored of it sooner or later. I just hope it happens sooner. Right. So to make that happen, so to do better doing, being the actionable keyword, mm-hmm. I'm going to this weekend, A, uh, finish up the blog post I was working on, uh, which I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, uh, finally get it published. And published and i'm going to resurrect one of my slack bots i haven't decided which one yet but i'm going to make it production ready and now that i have a proper domain and everything to host things under i'm going to publish it hopefully before i leave for my brother's wedding next month so it's a month-long goal but the action for this week is to resurrect the repository give it a domain and set up a little CI thing so that month, every time I push change to GitHub, it updates the server. And I, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I, I need to get it done so I feel maybe the spark of productivity and creating something will make me go back in the zone of let's do things because my mind is so dead right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's so inactive. Uh, I need I need it to do something, yeah. Well, it's new year and it's time to Time newest, to make the change. greatest year. <laughs> Best year yet. It is the newest year of my life. <laughs> or human existence. True, yeah. Never been a newer yeah. year. So yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, greatest year ahead. We're all, we're all excited. We're all here. Everybody listening uh-huh. to this at the end of February or beginning of March is just rolling their eyes saying, these boys have no idea what's coming. Yes. Oh man, oh man! I'm sure 
worst things are about to come. Yeah. But we'll hit it with the new 2021 attitude we yes. have. Yes. And you did. I'm just going to mention this because it's probably weird for everybody listening, hearing like, oh, this will come out in a couple months. We have a backlog because, as Gian just mentioned, he will be out of the country for a bit. And so we're not sure how that setup's going to be as far as trying to record episodes. So potentially we will be more or less on track with where everybody else is in a few months. But for the time being, we got this nice backlog ready so that we can ride out any difficulties with trying to record episodes. Yeah, yeah. We have contingency for contingency plans because we are the do better cast and we do better. <laughs> That's right. Cool. That's it for me. Anything else? No. Thanks for anybody listening to us. Um, yeah, if you have any feedback, please hit us up on social media. You, all, all the links are down there. If you're more of an email person, because 140 characters do not encompass everything you have in your heart, uh, we have a mailbox uh, called devshow at do-better.club. Wow. And hit us up. That will also be in the description. I'm going to send us all kinds of emails. I mean... Uh... <laughs> so are you the Clarky Clark boy that's been harassing me through emails? No, I just found out about it now. So okay. I, I can't even lie. Cool. Uh, yeah. That's, that's all for me. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.